When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala, and I know too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I do my research for this show. But if that intimidates you, don't worry, because someone who does no research and doesn't care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is always next to me, Kristen Studdard. That's me. Hello, everybody. Very excited to have a return guest. (gasps) You might know her from k-rock she's a radio personality and a writer you might have heard her on sirius xm also many places where you can hear her lovely voice and now you can hear it on this podcast cat corbett hi hi cat hi Kat. no jackhammer this time it's amazing no, but yeah. there is some construction happening that's right. outside which is a, a rarity but i think maybe they do it for you yeah perhaps <laughs> maybe they're There's trying to show also off a man silently painting outside as well painting a it's true nice. yeah if, if we want to set the context in the scene for the listener there's a uh, activity just outside these doors it's great i i love it it's good to be here thanks for having me back yes Yay. absolutely um i'm curious so last time you were here was probably your first extended conversation yes. about the rock and roll <laughs> hall of fame yeah how assume. has your life changed since uh, <laughs> um Um, You know, it's funny because I was thinking about you all and thinking, you know, there is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame channel on Sirius. Mm -hmm. Like, have you like ever petitioned them to be on um, there? I feel like uh, my mother, when I I visited the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum in Cleveland, she she called me before and after she was like, you know, there's a radio station there. They have a serious channel and you should just knock on the window and tell them about your podcast. I love your mother. She is really yeah. she she was and she wouldn't take no for an answer on that one. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm like, Mom, they're on air. They're not interested in me getting in there and trying to tell them about a not radio form of radio. <laughs> I feel like right. I have to need to facilitate some in you know introduction or something because mm-hmm. you what you have here is something extremely unique, and you know obviously perfect for that station, the Rock yeah. and Roll yeah. Hall of Fame Radio. Right, right. and I think what. Your mom and maybe my mom <laughs> was. <laughs> there is a recording studio in the museum itself. Did they not broadcast? Which live is where from they there? do yeah. some of that station, but it you know there's uh, hosts and recording happening all over. I, they, they do a lot of New York as well. Ah, um, yeah. But I feel like as two people obsessed with the Rock Hall, you f- I feel like 
you would, might be amazing we'll guests. sell them our archive <laughs> our back catalog we ha- yeah we do have a back catalog that we can really <laughs> i mean it's just you it's a unique thing to have mm-hmm. a rock and roll hall of fame podcast an event that happens once a year and um also you know is an event that you know breaks fights break out every time mm-hmm. the list so comes out so yeah yeah have you you must have seen this year's list I have, yes. I haven't memorized it like you, probably. No, no. I, I, I don't expect that from you. <laughs> uh, I, I'd have it memorized now, too, which was a surprise to me yeah. the other day I did it from yeah. memory. I mean, you kind of have it memorized. I did it from memory, and then Joe gave me a hint on like the last two ones. But I got them. I guess what I mean is like the last few times I've seen you. Oh, I keep forgetting. You <laughs> are really surprised that Kraftwerk is on. No, oh, shit. That was the one the that ballot. I always forget. I had totally forgotten again. But I remember... That Rundgren is on it. Very good. Yes, you got one. I'm, I'm, I'm proud think, of you. In your defense, I think there are a lot of people who do not know who Kraftwerk are, and they don't understand the influence that that band has had on the future mm-hmm. of music. That was me up until we did our Kraftwerk episode. Uh-huh. And that's okay to no not clue. know that. Like now, the discussion has happened. Like, why yeah. should I know this band? Well, you defended Kristen, but if I can. <laughs> offend Kristen. If I can just pull up the bus to back uh, it on up. Uh, we literally talk about it every single week. <laughs> so not uh, not a great excuse to forget. Now, Kat, yes. if we can, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the ballot. I have it here on my phone. And let's play a little uh, oh, no. voter. Let's play oh, as though you ballot. are a voting member. You're going to me on the spot? I didn't know you. See, this was not in the, in the presentation to me about this time, <laughs> about picking one. No, Surprise. pick five. Oh, pick, pick five. five. It's a pick five. So yeah, if you're like if you were a voter, you would get to pick five of these names to put on your official ballot. And here's the thing: is that you know everybody can yell at somebody else about their list, but these are the artists that made an impact on me. That yeah, I, these are the ones that you would throw your weight behind. That, that you would love to see get me, in. But I also working in music can f- see their influence, influence on yeah, other. Right. You know, everybody has a different strategy for how they approach their ballot. Mine, a hundred percent gut. I look at my fake ballot and I go, "This what is I what I want on my right. playlist." Some people look at it and they say, "These artists had the most impact," or "These artists are the most rock and roll," or "These artists, you know, um, have never wronged me personally." You know, mm-hmm. whatever. You, people right. have different criteria. There, that's the weird and dumb thing about this weird and dumb institution. Yeah, well, I'm gonna pick my five that I think uh, not only impacted me, but I think impacted uh, the world in in more than musically and and other the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So, um, Depeche Mode, Obviously. definitely. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. um, Soundgarden. So far, a very K very K rock Christmas ballot. over here. But you know, but then you talk about generations of people who you know, like, and that's the other thing that people don't realize. It's like when you come from a certain generation, of course, you're going to focus on certain. Oh yeah, artists. Well, mm-hmm. that's like kind of explains the past. You know, that explains the rock hall. I think yeah. in many ways, like yeah. and the the kind of artists that tend to get in, it's really based on the voting body. It's the same thing with the Grammys. It's yeah. like an older OK Boomer. Mm-hmm. generation who started it and they're still stuck in that yep. you know if the eagles could be n- nominated every year they probably would be but you know so that's why there's always they would resistance. take down lizzo for the grammy <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. i'm sure that angers them so much i mean things things like that have happened where a steely dan record from the early oh, 2000s yeah. took down eminem yeah 
And, You're it was like, like, and everybody's like, what? What on earth? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. I enjoy Steely Dan, but. Sure. Yeah, but that's a like past tense type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my, I think my, oh, see, this is really hard. For me, I think I'm in at a tie between the Doobie Brothers and Judas Priest. <laughs> I don't think those Whoa. two would ever Interesting. be. Interesting. Well, yeah. you have two left, right? Do I? Did yeah. you pick Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, and Soundgarden? Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails, Soundgarden. Oh, all right. So then Doobie Brothers and Judas Priest. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So those two are not like K-Rock S bands. Yeah. True. However, um, I mean, Judas Priest, for someone who wasn't into metal, the fact that I know a lot of Judas Priest songs mm-hmm. shows how their their impact of like how great they yeah. got. Right. They transcended the genre. Right. They came to me who was like, oh my God, I just want punk rock, a new wave. Like, you know, and I know Judas Priest. And and I love the, you know, the whole Rob Halford story and the evolution yeah. of that band, I think it's amazing. And the Doobie Brothers... I think that's one of those bands that everybody n- doesn't know they know. That was what happened to me. The, it was a very illuminating episode of the Doobie Brothers, like where yeah. I thought I only knew a couple of things and then it turned out I knew a lot. You know, easily a dozen songs. Yeah, which is wild. Right. Yeah. I still think they have the dumbest name on the whole ballot. Well, you know, that's what pot smokers will name themselves yeah. when they're naming themselves. But um, yeah. And you know what the thing is, is I, it's funny. And then the you other just day, left Kraftwerk on the cutting room floor. I did because you know why? Because Kraftwerk, I appreciate their influence, but you're putting them on this list of things that I know really well, like artists mm-hmm. that I know really mm-hmm. well. And Kraftwerk... Although I know a lot about them, they were never really in my it, yeah, it didn't, area. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I know all of the bands that they influenced really well, mm-hmm. but I right. don't know Kraftwerk. Right. I mean, even just Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails yes. alone uh, owe so much to what Kraftwerk kind of established. Completely. And, you know, I went to see Kraftwerk when they played Coachella years ago. Because I was like, I know, like, you know, the telephone and, you know, like I know certain stuff. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I need to, like, get in this vibe because I do have friends that are obsessed with that band. And I wanted to, you know, I was like, all right, let's smoke a little pot and go in and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I did. It was really fun. And there was like, you know, neon glows. Was there visuals? Yeah, that's how I would imagine there'd be visuals. They nearly do almost like a laser type show, right? Yeah. And I think the thing about craft work is, is, uh, you know, they're one of those performance art, you know, they, they put everything together visually, Mm -hmm. audibly, you know, they were really, you know, Diva was the more commercial version of that basically of craft work. Um, but they were really cutting like the edge so so far early. It's just that they're not for me. They're not um, what I, think I know. That's the rub with them. I think that they if I think that if the nomcom got to just pick one person, like if they got a straight to series order, yeah, didn't have, <laughs> got to leapfrog the process on somebody that would that that could be their pick would be like a craft work. It would be like a pers- a band that everybody knows is important but just doesn't get the popular vote yeah i mean they're like you know Kraftwerk is like you know two bands i love the replacements and the pixies neither one of those bands became popular um at all i mean like very few i mean it was (laughs) Mm -hmm. they were both cult bands but they influenced so many i mean you Mm -hmm. know let's just talk about nirvana and the pixies influence on that band right and they never got the credit you know, now they are doing shows and, you know, getting they're paid, getting, if you will, and yeah. the recognition and stuff. But, you know, those are two artists like Kraftwerk that influenced a lot that never really had their day. And they're not, they've... Has, those are the first two episodes of our show. Replacements were on the ballot once, oh. and then that's it. Pixies have never been on a ballot. But they, I think they will both show up again. 
eventually. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean, let's face it. They're they're a little bit too weird for, you know, the people who started the rock hall. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, I get that's. It just makes me wonder. Like, there are so many people and bands and stuff that everybody is always like, they're so important. Without them, we wouldn't exist. But they were maybe a little too underground, a little too niche. Uh, mm-hmm. To to be fame to get the rock and roll hall of fame part right, of that it. fame aspect is and part I mean, of it it's in the name. Uh, so let's talk about Depeche Mode. I would love to know about your personal connection to the band. Well, you know this is great because this is like a therapy session. It ties into my teen angst and yes, because um, that's you know really I think where Depeche Mode came into my life. Um, appropriate, appropriate, right? I was kind of one of those you know oh my god goth you name it dark angsty kids um my first introduction was people are people Again, one of those bands where people are like, "Yes," I, and then all of a sudden we could just drop. That's what's songs about to and happen. You would go, "Wow, wow, wow!" I know that. Yeah. That's um, what's about to happen. They're from Basildon. Essex. Oh, Basildon, Essex. Yes. You don't say. Basildon. It's like a vampire city. Yeah. Basildon. Basildon. That's where all the great detectives are from. Basil Basildon. <laughs> well, it comes to us from Basildon, Essex. Essex. Yeah, but no. I, you know, after people are people was that gateway to. Then immediately it was um, Blasphemous Rumors, which is this song that the, the legend behind the song was massive at the time. The legend was, is that this girl threw herself in front of a bus and they wrote a song about it and like killed herself. That was the legend. That's mm-hmm. that's classic uh, pre-internet Ur- urban legend. Urban legend. Thing. So any yeah. like you know, any Britney Spears like, getting know, her stomach pumped full of yeah. yeah. Semen. Any young kid full of angst and like that feeling of I don't want to say obsessed with death, but it was definitely that when you're young and angsty yeah, yeah, yeah. and getting a, a goth with it. Life kind yeah. of sucks, and you're like you know you latch onto those mm-hmm. things, and so from there you know I. I basically reversed engineered Depeche Mode and went to the earlier albums mm-hmm. and um, and then just like, you know, it's a deep dive into and, and those songs, a lot of them that didn't become radio singles in the alternative world are still amazing songs. And I, you know, I knew them by heart and memorized them. So all my life I've been in this universe of Depeche Mode and they, they've just got better and better. And then, you know, their legend got bigger. Like I grew up on the East Coast and hearing about the Rose Bowl show, which 60 plus thousand people. What's that, tell, tell us the legend of the Rose Bowl show. Well, it was like the it was like the biggest amount of people I think the Rose Bowl had had in years. It was over 60,000 people packing the Rose Bowl and they recorded that show and they actually put it on Depeche Mode 101, which was this box set, which I had. It was like three, it was a three CD box set. And the thing is, is because I grew up on the East Coast and the, the station that I would listen to, uh, WFNX, they would play the live version of Everything Counts. That's a version of that song that anybody listening right now knows because there's a there's a point where... Dave Gahan stops singing and the audience takes over and it's just this 60,000 people singing the chorus and it's like I'm getting the chills right now. Everything counts. Everything counts. 
so it was it was a really epic performance. You know, it's legendary, and so you know they captured it and put it out there. Um, yeah, and it was 101 because it was the 101st show of that tour they're like world tour they were doing and it was da pennebaker who yes. filmed like a concert film of that show and it was so significant because depeche mode was considered an alternative act and to fill the rose bowl was something basically and only this was a time when alternative truly meant alternative to the mainstream it was yes. 88 not yeah not alternative in the way that it became known which was just part of the mainstream right exactly like the, a category yeah a category like, within a few years yeah. nirvana would happen yeah. and then alternative would become the the main... norm <laughs> yeah exactly but this was like 88 and they hadn't even had their biggest album yet. The fact that they were filling a stadium the way that only like the Rolling Stones could do was such a significant. Yeah, I'm like moment. I saw Beyonce at the Rolling Stones. Right. It's huge. And, yeah. you know, and at the time, they were still considered like, oh, they're this fluffy dance band from the UK kind of thing. They, they weren't. They were singing about politics and sex and and religion. They were they were singing about about really heavy issues but they were still kind of seen as this you know at the time because new wave wasn't taken seriously it mm -hmm. was like oh you wear makeup and mm -hmm. and leather you know like you guys are weird and so when they did that show i think everybody was like whoa what yeah where are all these people coming from the underground <laughs> yeah. like they're yeah. just some dance band i mm -hmm. saw on mtv like there's wait the rose bowl and that was a so huge well, and they were like truly alternative in yeah. a time when that when meant, that meant something. something. Well, <laughs> I just, you know, and I always loved, I think it was Martin Gore who said, because they grew up on so many things. And he, I think he was the one who said something like, we always wanted to channel soul music through synthesizers. So at the heart, there's always been substance to that mm -hmm. band. They weren't just there trying to make like catchy pop songs. And I, and I think the art of saying something important disguised as a catchy pop song is a true talent and they did it record after record after record mm -hmm. they're still doing it i think i may have mentioned this on the show before but embarrassingly a band that i always conflate with depeche mode is erasure mm -hmm. i think of it because erasure is like the maybe the sunnier cousin of depeche well mode. There's, a, there's a reason for that oh, yeah. there's really? a very the very specific connection which is that when depeche mode started out and their first album which has happier poppy songs like just can't get enough is written by a guy named vince clark who was a founding member of Depeche Mode, but left after the first album to start a band called Yazoo. It's taking that synth stuff and then pairing it with an extremely soulful uh, female voice. Alison Moyet on the vocals. Then after Yazoo, he started Erasure, found, a, an, again, another singer, because Vince Clark was more of the songwriter, musical force. Yazoo. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Then it's us, then it's maybe it's not embarrassing. Maybe it's just a no. You were you were maybe right it's quite on target. Astute, you detected uh, something. There's Thank a family. You. Someone did a family tree once, uh, like kind of of this area, and they're so intertwined. You know. Um, well, because I think connected. Well, and just kind of like reconnecting in my brain with what Depeche Mode songs are and things like that. It's like yeah. It's like they are the goth cousin at the dinner table who's got a lot of feelings you know Mm -hmm. and they're pretty angsty and then like erasures like come on guy let's dance get on the floor you know what i mean yeah for sure that's okay well good i'm glad that i'm not um just conflating them for no reason i'm claiming i'm conflating them for a good reason no there was a subliminal connection you picked up on it and that's Mm why yazoo huh how did they spell that y-a-z-o-o yeah okay then in america get those o's out of here get them out of here yes yes time for the and that's just yes it's just yes unfortunately that's yes yeah. Uh, oh, well, that okay. So, sorry, your journey with Depeche Mode. No, so uh, you know, and I think I think a lot of people, you know, I know there are artists today that are massive artists. We're talking like the Killers, the Arcade Fire, to Lincoln Park. You name it, they will all cite the impact of Depeche Mode on their lives growing up and the influence in their own music. And you may not be able to pick it out, but they can mm-hmm. like they'll, you know, maybe when they're noodling and they'll be like, Hey, let's do a, like a, you know, a, a you know, a people are people riff in this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing, you know, but that's what happens. And I, I don't think a lot of people are aware of it. Obviously diehard Depeche Mode fans are, um, but their, their influence is just decades, decades in the making. So you got into them through you. The first song you heard was people are people. people. Are people. That was the first song that came to the U.S. Right. That was like, and then you were like, I'm getting these imports. You went back and like you went down the. <laughs> well, I got that record. I got some great reward and I just started listening to it over and over and over again, you know, and again, the blasphemous rumors, which is the last track, uh, ominously the bl- last track, because it's so I mean, it's insanely dark um, and theatrical almost like it's it's intense mm-hmm. seriously you listen and, and you listen to that song as like a 12 or 13 year old yeah. <gasps> oh my god you're That's, like someone gets it someone just like <laughs> has a main line into my brain yeah. you right. know? and then blew it up right and so um yeah and so then i just i was in and then i like i said i went back to the first couple records you know backtracked and and really got into those but then I, you know there was forward motion and as i'm growing up and, and they're still they're putting out these records that, that just don't stop mm-hmm. like the absolute amazing songs you've seen them live many times yeah do you remember the first time the first time <sighs> the first very first time i saw them was at the worcester centrum i just remember standing in that room and kind of feeling like Again, that feeling of, wow, there's all these people that feel the same way. And I think that's what music does for you, no matter the band. Like, it could be Neil Young. It could, you know, it doesn't matter. That's the feeling you get by going to a live show. And they were just great. Like, they're so good. You're just like, wow. You know, and at the time, I remember people seeing like, oh, they're just, you know, they're all synthesized or whatever. And they were doing it live. They right. were playing yeah. instruments. Yeah. They're not pl- pressing play. They're they, actually... Yeah, yeah, it's like everybody does that about New Order. And I'm like, they live drums. They have guitar. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually play these songs mm-hmm. live. So it was just that feel. I just remember that feeling of being like... there. It, it was it was extreme, extremely hopeful. I, I felt a lot of hope as opposed to yeah. 
the darkness of the songs. Right. Seeing everybody together was very uh, hopeful feeling for me. Like, I think it, what it is is, you know, I think it's loved by people who grew up with the struggle, right? I don't want to generalize, but let's mm-hmm. say that's why we all gravitate. If you're struggling, you know, growing up or whenever it hits you, you gravitate to that type of music. And so to know that you're not alone struggling with things you know whether it's you know you're broke or your family sucks or you Mm -hmm. have depression like whatever it is you know they all kind of come together and that's where that shared hope comes from whereas pop music and i love pop music but you know pop music is like yay we're dancing everything's Mm -hmm. great you know give me a lacroix (laughs) you know so there's definitely a different vibe and i totally get that and it's yeah it's like outsider music and then uh, seeing oh i'm not the only outsider yeah, when you realize like oh my gosh we're all on the outside yeah <laughs> and now we're all inside together <laughs> together yeah there is some- it's an emotional feeling and how many people often say you know like this band saved my life or this music saved my life just knowing that someone else had had these feelings saved my life you know that it can be so important and beautiful yeah i mean i think if you are an outsider you're always told you're weird or like, what are you doing? And you can't Mm -hmm. like, you know, most people can't get out of their own neighborhood or whatnot. You don't see it until you're around it. And so it has a huge impact. And Depeche Mode, I think brought a lot, like millions of people together. Mm -hmm. This is a band who sold over like, what is it? Like a hundred million records. Like it's something stupid, crazy. So that means there's these people who can appreciate what they're doing and that's that's a massive thing Mm -hmm. that's nothing to you know turn your nose at if you don't know the band yeah and there there are at least to to some an extremely surprisingly effective draw we talk about the the rose bowl that was in the late 80s recently not only did they play the bowl, they sold out four consecutive nights at, at the, the bowl. Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, yeah, which no one has done. Four, four <laughs> nights. Yeah. Whoa, that's a lot. I know. Like, I know. Yeah, it, it's insane. And the thing is, is you go like I went to one of the shows, and it's like the joy on their faces, looking back and seeing. I I was lucky enough to hang with Dave Gahan. I uh, <gasps> we, at K Rock we did a show. I think it was like 2013. We did a show with them at the Troubadour. Whoa! They were doing uh, was it Delta Machine? They were doing that, and um, so yeah, we were like, someone took a picture of me taking a <gasps> selfie with Dave. Oh, look at that! Oh my gosh! I know, but he's like, you look also, ready for a Depeche Mode. You really do. And, I was and like, look at him. But like, Teen Cat was like, I mean, I'm yeah. screaming, and I'm trying yeah. not to scream. And Martin Gore, and like all those guys, like yeah. uh, you know, um, and you know, Dave. Great I picture. was just talking about. It and he's like, you know, there's this thing that we've been doing this so long, but it never gets old when you have these people singing back your songs. Like it never gets old. And I was like, oh my god! Like, and I was thinking about that the Hollywood Bowl, and those smiles are genuine. You know, they're. This is a band that probably should not have survived. Mm-hmm. You know, because they again were written off as like a fluff mm-hmm. band, and then they just keep turning out these solid albums you know it's pretty incredible yeah there there was an article that i stumbled upon it's from a few years ago and the the gist of the piece was justin bieber bruno mars ed sheeran none of them are currently having a as 
popular of a tour as Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode <laughs> has the biggest world tour right now. It's twenty. It was like 2017. <laughs> Holy shit. And like is blowing everybody out of the water. That makes me so happy. That's and a, cool. A band I love that, that has never had a number one hit in America. <laughs> that well, is so cool. I don't know what year it was, but they had um, in their in like the crazy upcoming heyday. There was uh, the riot at Tower Records on Sunset when it was. That was Depeche Mode. Yeah. Uh, was it? I it thought was, it was. Was it warehouse? warehouse? It was warehouse. Warehouse. Yeah. Warehouse. And it was, <laughs> they were just going to do an event, and then twenty thousand people showed up. Yes. <laughs> And it was a riot. It was a riot, like oh the God. glass breaking on the record oh store. Like they, they couldn't do it because, yeah, it yeah. was. Like, and, and then when they realized they couldn't do it, that's when it started to become a riot. You because know. people were like, we came for yeah. the moment. But I remember hearing about that on the East Coast, like, oh, my God, like people got to meet them. And then it was like, there was a riot. I'm like, of course there was a riot. Oh, my yeah. God. It was a pesh mode. That's so funny. Right. They thought they were just going to do a little in-store. Yeah. And that, that was probably a moment when that plus the Rose Bowl thing of like, oh, we're, we are really catching on in America. <laughs> yeah, and I bet even then they still had, you know, people in the industry kind of poo-pooing them like, mm-hmm. you know. I have a question about their name. Depeche sure. Mode is uh-huh. French. Yes. yes, based off of Mode a magazine. Mode meaning fashion. Yeah. And, or like style, right? Right. Uh, and it, it, Depeche meaning... Depression. <laughs> um, I think it was like fast fashion. It's like fast or, or like new fashion. Like the it, it's a it was the name of a magazine. Okay. Depeche Mode. It's a it great was... name, but I one hundred percent have never known what it meant at all. When I was an intern in radio, they used to send me out. Now I worked uh, in a shitty oh my god lynn massachusetts like absolute crazy like so i worked on the morning show so it was dark out it's 5 a.m and they're sending me out with a dat player and a list of band names depeche mode was one of them and i was the only people around they wanted me to record people reading the band names oh (laughs) and it's literally like hookers and pimps and you know and junkies like that was i was like my mother only knew and you know everybody was like you know it was like depeche mod like Uh nobody could get it and like kaja gugu was another band on there then it was like hazy fantasy it was like all these like (laughs) you know so they fit on this list of crazy names and i was like oh my god i'm gonna die it's also interesting too because i say depeche i say depeche mode no, I say Depeche Mode. You say Depeche Mode. I say Depeche Mode. Yeah, that's. I say Depeche Mode. I put the emphasis on and mode, and he says mode. Depeche Mode. How do you say it? Okay, you guys just... You were saying the same thing? <laughs> no, I never thought about it. Yeah. He was, I only noticed it when Joe would say it, and then I was like, he says Depeche Mode, and I say Depeche Mode. I think I might be more with you. Depeche that's, Mode. Or maybe it's just even. Yeah, Depeche I, Mode. Yeah, yeah, you're splitting the difference. But yeah. kind of you're more on the mode than the patch. <laughs> but like I'm right. But I think, well, I'm just curious. No, no, I know. I've always said it that way and it's I've also, talked about it before. It's like a subtlety as yeah. well. So it's hard to tell like when they say it, like which one are they saying? And our listeners will love it. <sighs> Sound off in the comments. All right. Cat, uh, as you know, one of the reasons why it's, uh, it's such fertile ground for discussion, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because how can you look at music objectively right it's it's nearly impossible yeah this that's kind of what this institution makes us do so i have a list of categories here that i think is an objective way to evaluate an artist's merits for the rock hall okay so we're going to take a break and we come back we're going to see how depeche mode stacks up we'll be right back
Welcome back, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break that a friend of yours gently prodded you to do something good for yourself mm-hmm. and others <laughs> and others. All right. Let's talk about Depeche Mode. Been eligible since the 2007 induction ceremony. We're nominated in 2017. We're nominated in 2018 and then this year for 2020. So this is their third time on the ballot. As far as I know, none of these guys have been uh, at a ceremony or have participated in anything. Uh, I think... Their Britishness might be keeping them from it. I do think it's that British quality of whatever. We don't really understand this thing. So let's let's maybe do a quick primer just on the band. We've talked about it already, but just before we get into it. Yes. uh, Formed at the beginning of the 80s. Had Vince Clark as the songwriter who then left to form those bands, Yaz and Erasure. Uh, They were a little brighter, a little poppier in that first album, Speak and Spell. And Dave Gahan is the lead singer. We've been bringing these names up just in case anybody's like, who and what are they talking about? Mm, Me. When Vince Clark left, then uh, Martin Gore, who had already been in the band, rose up to become the songwriter. And that's when things kind of took a darker direction and then things got yeah (laughs) and it's interesting they went from being kind of cheerier to then darker and then as they got darker maybe even a little industrial was when they got way more popular (laughs) which is is not how it works it's usually the other way around where you have to get it a little sunny for uh the people but no it was uh and it's it's a cool thing to watch people not compromise their uh, integrity or their artistic vision and then it pays off in an incredible way right uh and they have they are still a touring act they're still as as big as they ever were if not bigger now i think that gives a general yeah, idea I, a, I a very them. synth heavy band all right let's go to the first category which is critical acclaim uh, this is a band that does very well with critics. Like I said, they have, I mean, any artist that has like an artistic vision and can uh, accomplish that is tends to be rewarded by the critics. Uh, and maybe early on when what they were doing was not fully understood, there was a little bit of uh, critical disconnect. But I think these days, and especially re- in a revisionist way, critics are all in on Depeche Mode. Yeah, I feel like that. They're the they're the perfect type of band for that, for critics to go back and be like, you know, and I always loved Depeche Mode. <laughs> I could see where they were going, and I was really, you know, I was one of the first people to love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me. <laughs> this is about uh, how I'm smart. Did they have any um, critics that, like, you know, truly reverse track on them that were like, this industrial junk will never last. <laughs> there was many of those. I'm like, sure. Many I'm critics sure, like that. Yeah. And, and even just coming from like a synth, synth happening at a time when, especially in America. Play instruments. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that there was some skepticism in that regard, but it did not last long, especially with critics. No, and especially, you know, it, there's a really early video of like, I don't know, it's like some English TV show with Depeche Mode on like the early days. And, you know, Dave's like dancing like, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. Davy Jones and the monkeys. Oh and my it's like gosh. super peppy. Twirling. And, and this yeah. is really, you know, this is really early on. And so I think, you know, they weren't taken seriously, uh, you know, back then. And it was when that, you know, kind of turn happened, you know, with, uh, Martin Gore and you know that darker tone that then maybe gave them some legitimacy as well so you know 
what um what's their image like what's their visual image it's like goth. bondage gear mm-hmm. it's like goth bondage mm-hmm. and that was up. another thing has that always been their aesthetic since i mean i would say probably when martin gore started to take over as the main songwriter and he was also usually the one that was the most flamboyant Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was his... definitely that evolution. And, you know, I think, you know, that's the thing about growing pains is, you know, some a lot of us go through it and we only have to show it to our friends and our family. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a band and you're young yeah. and you're trying to figure out your sound, mm-hmm. they were doing it in front of everybody. And your image. Yeah. yeah. So they, the you know, they time. started that pop thing and then they got darker. And Martin Gore definitely, like, he was wearing, like, those leather, like, chest straps with yeah. like yeah. the o-ring and stuff yeah. Yeah. And, and like stuff connecting his nipples <laughs> you know like a chain from that kind of stuff is he a heterosexual man they're all heterosexual interesting i i, I did look that up because it wouldn't have shocked me but yeah they all have had wives but i think they liked that idea of uh you know like pushing the boundaries I mean, also hetero people can be into bondage it's not right. like a right a no thing, but, you, but leather daddy is a very i mean we're, you we, know, we had just talked about day. rob halford yeah. where it was it felt very leather daddy from the gay community yeah. and then no surprise he's a gay man yeah well, and at the time you want to push boundaries, you know, that whole era was about poking as mm-hmm. much as you yeah. possibly could to just get attention and annoy people at the same time. Yeah. Especially in like proper England yeah. as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're wearing yeah. puritanical America. You're wearing leather trousers. Like yeah. what is going, yeah. what happened to my son? And Annie has guy liner on. Oh my God. Yeah. You yeah. can only imagine the parents freaking out. Well, let's talk about uh, the next category, which is classic albums. Now I'll I'll go through these I'll go through the discography really quickly. Now Speak and Spell was the album with uh, Vince Clark, and then he left, and then it's a little bit. Was there a major song from that album? Just can't get enough. That was Depeche Mode. Which is, uh, oh, oh, that was, oh. That's cheery that's side the, that's of Depeche a, Mode. Okay. You can tell. And yes, that is being absolutely. used still in syncs today. Like, you'll catch that in a movie or a TV oh, show definitely. or commercial I somewhere. Mean, Nonstop. 100%. Yeah. And it was not a big hit at the time, but no. you hear it on the radio constantly. Yeah. The next few albums are like, maybe, maybe one song, maybe you don't know, but like, A Broken Frame, Construction Time Again, Some Great Reward, Black Celebration, and then when we get to... Music for the Masses. In America, it's a platinum album. And then Violator really is the album, and that came out in 1990. That's three times platinum. That's kind of the classic Depeche Mode album. They're kind of masterpiece. Uh, and then from from there on, you know, they've had very successful albums, but really it kind of peaks with Violator in terms of, like, the songs you would know. And the uh, success and like kind of hitting the zeitgeist. So their their heyday is a late eighties, early nineties. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, do you guys think that Depeche Mode has an album on Rolling Stone's five hundred greatest? Albums? Oh, they should. I don't think they do. You don't think they do. The reason being, it's a it's Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. and I I. It's weird. It was a weird gut feeling, but I I hope I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you said Violator is the big one. Violator but what's the big weird one. is Music for the Masses is the one I've heard of. Okay. Which is bizarre. But so maybe if they had one it would be Violator, but I don't think they do. You're going to say no. 
Kat, what do you think? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. And I'm going to say either music for the masses or violator. Okay. Kat's right. <gasps> yes. Violator is on Violator there. is on there. Violator is on the list, yeah. Too big to fail. Too big to fail. Well, Just and that's it's... another, that's proof, again, and you said it, you know, Rolling Stone's one of those kind of, you know, again, yeah. like the older set by, a, you know, a platform set by a generation that's much older now. And so the fact that it is broken through and it is on this list is also a testament as to their impact. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. 413? Yeah, do you want to make a guess of where it is on the on the list, Kat? Uh, what is it? Top 100? 500. 500. 500. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I don't think they're going to be super high up. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say... You got to leave room for every Dylan album ever, all of the Rolling Stones albums, every single... Like, you got to leave room for, <laughs> yeah, for every Doors EP. Uh, 362. Okay. okay. That's pretty good. It's 342. <gasps> wow. That's actually... That's pretty good. That was great. I was way off on this one. Cat, Cat Maybe showing I'm up losing my, uh, <laughs> yeah. my touch. I'm yes. usually mode. very good at this. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Violator is uh, was such a huge album. And it's funny. You think of Depeche Mode as an 80s group, but their biggest album was right at the start of the next decade, 1990. What songs are on Violator? Good question. We're going to transition into the next uh, category, which is iconic, iconic recognizable songs. songs. And I would say possibly the two most iconic Depeche Mode songs are on Violator, which is Personal Jesus. And Enjoy the Silence. on there and also on that album is uh, Policy of Truth so that that album had a lot of songs that were not only big but big in America yeah but then going before that obviously like we already touched on it just can't get enough song that you still hear yeah often. that's a big one well and let's you know people are people is was yeah the, was the Isn't... first song that hit the u.s and then i would say if there are other songs that are definitely recognizable i would throw strange love Those are the ones I think I'd say everybody who's ever listened to the radio. Right. Alternative radio at the time, though, did go deep. I mean, you know, I'm looking at stuff. It's like Never Let Me Down Again was one of my favorite songs yeah. to play. How does ever. that one go?
band that a lot of people think, yeah, I don't really know them. And then it, you could just drop songs and they'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, sh- shit. I actually know a lot about this band. And especially like Personal Jesus and Enjoy the Silence and Just Can't Get Enough. Those are like, I think, iconic level songs. Yeah. Like those oh, are yeah. songs that break through. Even if you're not listening to the radio, yeah. they're going to make it Just Can't Get Enough you. will get played at a wedding. No problem. Mm-hmm. And like every trailer, every, every movie yeah. trailer is Personal Jesus. Yeah. Like I, I don't know how many movie trailers I've seen where they have that. Dum, dum, and oh, because it's, like, it's so good. It's yeah, very, sound. Very it really good. like uh, puts you in a mood. It's I mean, a mood. Yeah, I mean that's it's a like mood is a vibe. you could you can play like you know that's like the the sound for Law and Order. Like I yeah. can, you know uh-huh. what I mean. It's one of those yeah. sounds, those beats where I would know instantly what that song is yes. by just hearing like one or two of those little sounds. And then what's great is then you put a little voiceover over it where it was like Bob was <laughs> having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> Or you get the uh, a children's chorus to to do it. Yes, <laughs> That's do the, that. The classic yeah. trailer. Mode. Yeah, could do that. All right, let's talk about commercial success. You know, going into this, I was like, oh yeah, Depeche Mode were a successful band. I didn't realize it was at the level that it was. That like 100 million records sold. Like we've talked a lot about a lot of successful groups on this show, but they are as big as anybody. It's really crazy. And the fact that the the warehouse thing where it's 20,000 people and the Hollywood Bowl still, that stuff has happened in the past few years. They are so, so popular that it's a little bit shocking. Yeah. I mean, to put it in perspective, a lot of big artists have not sold 100 million albums. Yeah. Like like well-known pop acts That's that you think are error. massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not even close if that puts it into any perspective about well, record and sales. And that also kind of bodes for them as far as, you know, what's the fan vote like for them? They're just outside the top five. I think okay, they're, they're I'm, you can keep track Because I imagine yeah. that the fan vote would be huge for them and that mm-hmm. that would almost be, if they're still selling out major, uh, you know, places multiple nights in a row, then they have... You know that would make this a good ticket if they got in. I who's on the Who's in the five right now? The top five right now. Number five is Judas Priest. Number four is Soundgarden. Number three is the Doobie Brothers. Number two is Benatar. And, and number, number one, one is because they really mobilized the troops and they do it like every day, like little ants marching. Some it's might Dave, say Dave Matthews, Matthews is number one. Well, you know I. You can't underestimate Dave Matthews' band. I think, again, that's another artist people underestimate. And then you realize how long they've been touring, how many records they sell, and how many venues they sell out. It's how popular they still are. It's just because Mm -hmm. it's it's not in your world doesn't mean they're not successful. And that's something that you have to think about. And again, this is also... You know, there are a lot of artists who, like, I don't see Trent Reznor out there like, go vote for us today. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, and it is about that. I mean, I do a local radio show where you can get into the top five every week by getting people to vote for your song. And the local bands can't be bothered to do it. Yeah. And I'm like... (laughs) Oh my God, do you understand who's paying attention to this show? Like record labels and management. And yeah. you can't even be bothered you can't to send a friends. tweet yeah. or yeah. have your mother. Well, like, I look at the thing and there's not even like one vote. You can't even vote for yourself. Right. It feels uncool 
it feels on rock and roll. Yeah. Well, here's to what's uncool yourself. is like five years from now when you're still living in your parents' basement because mm-hmm. no one knows who you are, <laughs> and then you're bitter, and then you go work at the bank later. Yep. That's what's not cool because it's promotion. You got to promote. It is. It's part of the game. Yeah, just you guys are. Yeah, well, it's because it's very similar with comedians as well. It's like no comedian wants to be out there being yeah. like, no. "Hey, you look at a bunch my of surly, stuff, surly you know? people." It's yeah. really embarrassing. It's mortifying to yeah. say look at me when your whole thing I is you want to be looked at as well. I think <laughs> artists are the worst self-promoters and that's why you do have fan clubs that take the reins mm-hmm. and maybe they're working in conjunction with your management team but those yeah, are things it's like that if somebody happen. else is doing it it's so much better than if you are it's so hard. even if you're ju- if you are pretending online to be the manager of your own fan club <laughs> yeah. then like, do that like pretend yeah, to be an agent right. like yeah. i'm the worst i get it i'm the worst self-promoter myself as well however you know nobody there's so much crap in the universe like you have to stand out well and also i think that that is part of it when you see sometimes the people who are not afraid to promote themselves you're like oh no i don't want to be like that person because then you, you know? want to stand up there and be like try to be sincere like yeah. oh i didn't expect this <laughs> <laughs> instead of you know instead hustling of, yeah. to get the vote i really yeah. worked my ass off to get each and every person i knew to call <laughs> like you know i right. think and i think if depeche mode was invested even a little bit online yeah. about getting votes that they would probably shoot up because they yeah, have they could storm the storm the tower records yeah. you know well and i think for the, the brits it's also changed i think you know last year was a turning point with radiohead because you know that was the big debacle where it was like mm-hmm. oh we can't uh-huh. be there or like you know and they were famously put into the news that they're snubbing the ceremony and whatever mm-hmm. and then a couple of the guys went i think phil selway yeah. phil and ed yeah and um and then it was like they you know, they were like, we truly had no idea the impact. And mm-hmm. like they did this. They were like, yeah, no, it was it's Joe's so... favorite moment from that yeah, ceremony. Right. We were, we were the there. Ceremony. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, and so they got it. Like, you know, Tom York was like, I had no idea. And so the fact that they, you know, were public about that is mm-hmm. a big deal. And I think bands like Depeche Mode, like it may have. And last been, year like, was a very British class. It right. was all Brits Pure, and then two female zombies. Did you cry American. at all? Um, we choked up at the Cure. Yeah. When they're playing just like heaven, and they just got inducted into no, rock I hall. Mean, I sent you a video. I think. I know. I'm yeah. like, hi, love that band yeah, yeah, so yeah. much. My God. And the and the speech that Trent gave is you know. And Trent gave such a great. I mean, that bodes well. And for Trent's him. also yeah. a convert. He was very skeptical about the right. hall and then was there and was like, oh. And Trent Reznor also is influenced by Depeche Mode. Can you yes. imagine being in this class where he's like the bands he was influenced by is yeah. also in yeah. the same thing? That's mm-hmm. that's a trip. That's a head trip. It's, it's yeah. wild. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the next category, which is longevity. So their first record was 1981. And then they were going and doing well, uh, especially in the UK, but then they, they broke in America around 84. And then their kind of peak was 1990, and then were able to maintain a level of relevancy for the next few albums in the 90s. And then they are still a huge act uh, on a touring status to this day. Four nights at the bowl, people. Four consecutive sold out nights at the bowl. Sold out. Dang. Which is crazy. Yeah, they are still an extremely vital touring act. And then in terms of when they were putting out music, I would say, 
Yeah, it's it's over a decade. You when know, is throughout their, the entirety when was their the last 80s. album uh, put out? They put out an album in 2017. What? They pretty much they put out an album like every four years. Uh, consistently and sometimes they they've toured on and sometimes they haven't i mean you know they've had like their struggles and internal struggles like band struggles dr- mm-hmm. you know dependency issues you know dave gahan's very forthcoming about that um yeah dave gahan uh flatlined for two minutes what? he's he was a major heroin addict yeah uh and yeah he is he died clean now? for yeah he's no he's he's, he's clean yeah now. he's he's been he talks a lot about it you know about his struggle and all of that so um, in the 90s it was it was a very dark period for yeah. uh even for a, a band this dark but for Dave especially it was it was right. rough. Yeah. I mean I remember seeing them was it songs of Faith and Faith Devotion and Devotion and um I I was I remember leaving that show bummed because I he was not like I I just felt like something was not was right. Off, yeah. Um, and you know, at the time, like that was like so early, like you wouldn't know, like there was no social media or anything. Mm -hmm. So you had no idea, but we were kind of like, Dave's not like, I don't know, this isn't the Dave I want to see. Something was not right. And Mm -hmm. he was clearly struggling, you know, we didn't know that at the time we were kind of like, Oh, this, this sucks. Um, but here we are. What is it? Four, 40 years later. Jesus. Yeah. Almost 40 years later. And these dudes are. Selling out the Hollywood Bowl four nights. And put on a fucking show. Right. So yeah. think about that. Think about that. That's longevity. Sheep. Do they still perform Just Can't Get Enough? Yeah, I mean, they. I I think they do. I haven't. I don't remember the last time I heard it live. Yeah, I don't know their set list, but I would assume they do. I know they don't do People Are People, though, because Martin Gore does not like that song. He thinks it's a little too obvious. On the nose. A little too on the nose, <laughs> which I get. But that's a song that... The audience would like to hear yeah. Depeche Mode, so think about it. But they have a ton of hits, so it's not like they have like that's the they're one. Not, yeah, you know what I mean? Oh my god! Can yeah, you yeah. imagine if that was the only one? Oh. <laughs> Keep playing that over again. Yikes! Uh, next category is uh, innovation and influence. I really think the innovative part about Depeche Mode is that they took electronic music and made it palatable for audiences. Like they took it and gave it a pop sensibility. They were able to take industrial and electronic and without compromising what they wanted to do, they kind of brought it to the mainstream. And then I'll just straight up read the Wikipedia entry here under influence. But if you look at the at the artists who have cited Depeche Mode as an influence, no doubt Marilyn Manson, The Killers, Crosses, Coldplay, Lady Gaga, Muse, Linkin Park, Crystal Method, Fear Factory, LaRue, Gautier, Ramstein, AHA, Arcade Fire, Nine Inch Nails, and Chiverches. Chiverches. That's a, you know, and you look at all of, they're, they're all so different. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, from Rammstein to Lady Coldplay Gaga. and Lady yeah. Gaga, like yeah. those three uh-huh. alone, you're like, what? Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So and that's. It, it's, it's a testament to the, the power yeah. uh, of the music. I agree. Do we feel that they come from the Kraftwerk tributary? Do they come Absolutely. down? They yes. come down oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they come down they the pipeline that. from, from Kraftwerk. They acknowledge that. Kind of Kraftwerk is the, you know, what the the mother chip of the, all. the lineage is Kraftwerk, Depeche Mode, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. I think that to me feels like uh, the progression. Which it might probably happen backwards that they get in. It'll be like that Nine Inch Nails, Depeche Mode, Kraftwerk will be the way that Let's it. See what happens. Yeah, yeah, the sequence. It it feels like Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode have a better shot at getting in the Kraftwerk. You know, Kraftwerk's one of those bands. It's almost like 
they had to, they had to happen. They had to be the weirdos. They had to go to the absolute extreme for all of this other stuff to happen. They and all so of these other bands walk, took yeah. the bits and pieces and through their filter, then they created stuff that was palatable to the masses. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. And I can respect Kraftwerk for going that crazy extra mile and then starting that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but a, a category they think Depeche Mode does very well in. Even if it's just like... They were so big, it's like you can't escape being influential when you're, yeah. when you're that big and all eyes are in you. Last category, does my mom know who they are? So this this is sometimes the most important category. I want you to know at the beginning of the episode, I texted my mom and I will reveal her answer in one moment. It speaks to... Uh, Do I need to call my mother right now? <laughs> <laughs> it speaks to cultural saturation if... A band can make it all the way to dear old mom. What it, what was your I response? I texted my mom. I said, you know Depeche Mode? Question mark. And she wrote back, of course. My mother knows them. Yeah. She knows a lot of my stuff because of my listening. Yeah. My mom just, you know, she, is, she was alive or she was around. She was present in music <laughs> at the time that it was happening, I think. I got, a, I got a yes, sir, from mom. So all right. So Depeche ubiquitous. Mode. Look at that. Uh Bodes well yeah. for them. All right. It is time for the verdict. <gasps> Should Depeche Mode be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will they? If so, when? And will it be this year? I think that they should. Uh, I think that they will. I don't know that it will be this year. This is their third nomination. But I really do think that it might go the the backwards sequence that I just said. I think Mm -hmm. it's almost like more bands that they influenced have to get in in order for them to get in because regardless of how big they are to their fans, I don't, it's like how it is where we don't realize how big they are. Mm -hmm. And if there was maybe a huge groundswell of online support that kind of, you know, stormed the tower records of the hall and showed everybody just how important they are. It could happen for them this year, but I don't know if it will. I think it will happen probably in the next five years. Mm-hmm. Boy, do I say that a lot. And mm-hmm. there, there are not enough, ba- <laughs> there's not enough space. I mean, there's enough space in the hall for everybody. You know what I think? Induct literally everyone on this list. Who cares? Let's do it. Wow. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it'll happen this year. It could, I'm thinking also of the ballot and kind of who's on here. They're obviously the next kind of cure slot. Yeah. If they finally broke down the door of new wave. Yeah. And they, they would be, they're clearly the next one after the cure. Now that yeah. the cure is in. And so it, that feels like it could happen. I just, and with all of the hard rock stuff happening with the, the vote splitting among the like motorhead Judas priest type business, it could clear a lane for something like that. But I just think when you've got Nine Inch Nails and you have Soundgarden and you have Depeche Mode, kind of this like heavier industrial alternative, air, alternative area, even though the synthesizers really sent them apart, I actually think it sets them apart in a way that the voters will be like, well, Depeche Mode, they hmm. played synthesizers. How come the zombies can't be nominated again? Um, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think maybe I I feel like probably not this year maybe five to seven years okay Okay. thank you Kristen (laughs) Kat what do you think well this is also a strategy game too Um, I think they will get in 
mm-hmm. I, I have to I'm looking at the nominees and I'm thinking to myself all right you know you you Kristen said it you know with the cure getting in kind of knocked open that knocked down that door mm-hmm. however Trent Reznor did the induction for the cure mm-hmm. and you know he's so massive right now with doing scores and Mm -hmm. you know between the Watchmen and Bird Box and all that you know Mm -hmm. like he's doing waves that movie I really feel like Nine Inch Nails is just up there I also think that Soundgarden with the late Chris Cornell is you know Mm -hmm. has a lot of groundswell around it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that perhaps even though I want to say a third time's a charm I think why we're doing this is I think there's a lot of voters who forget like all of the stuff we brought up. Mm-hmm. And if they listen to what we just said, they'd be like, oh, my God, they're right. right yeah. Like, holy crap. This should be required listening for all the voters. It should be sent to the voters <laughs> inboxes. And I think it's easy for people to dismiss them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. of their silly name. Yeah. Oh, and because they wear black, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. of that. However... You know, if they sit down and examine the numbers, the hundred million albums and the tours and the money that they bring in and mm-hmm. that the fact that it's been four decades, mm-hmm. that's that's undeniable um, strength. It reminds me in a way of just some of the arguments that we're making remind me in a way uh, that even though they're not the same at all bands of the um, Def Leppard episode mm-hmm. where it's like this band is incredibly popular they tour they sell out so well they connect with their fans so well they have a lot of songs even more than you realize Mm -hmm. they have sold so many albums you know they're british like i don't know just some some of these things remind me of that in a way Mm -hmm. it's because you know what they were popular yeah you know they were like they were rocking but they became popular Mm -hmm. so i think sometimes with that pop thing becomes a silliness yeah, an idea well, that you can't take them serious. Exactly, mm-hmm. especially w- w- like almost like with Def Leppard having the ubiquity of "Pour Some Sugar on Me" and that being like almost an overplayed joke song in a way. Now, with Depeche Mode, it's like because they had synthesizers, because they were kind of danceable and things like that. That maybe people want to dismiss them as well. I saw mm-hmm. Def Leppard. I went to Vegas to see them on their residency they just did a oh, few yeah. months ago. So good. I bet it was it was crazy. I bet Fabian um, went. Our our man Patrick Fabian. Yeah, huge huge Def Leppard. Huge Def Leppard. It's Def Leppard Wednesday or it's whatever. De- I'm having a Def Leppard Wednesday. <laughs> well, I don't know if Depeche Mode will get in this year. I, I I mean honestly, cinematically, if I could write this, they wouldn't. And then there would be a goddamn fucking riot where Depeche Mode fans uh-huh. like they did at the warehouse yeah. yeah, you know it would be like a Pasadena Rose Bowl swell of yeah. fandom and so that the fact is is that 2020 would be the year that it was just like alright we, we have to put them in here we're so sorry mm-hmm. yeah. you yeah. know kind of thing yeah that could happen I mean I think they should get in obviously they do very well in all the categories and it just makes sense that they would be the next one after the cure um, I think they will. I don't think it's going to take very long. I think my prediction is they will just miss out. I'm like almost slotting them like as the sixth or seventh. 
So if they what decide if they do to do seven again, if they decide to do a bigger seven class, last year it was a big surprise you know, to they me. Decide to do more I than five inductees, then I do. think Depeche Mode would be in there. That's where I see them falling. But if they choose to keep it tight and just five, I think they will just miss it. But there, I think there is a chance that they could make it. Why like, did they? Why did they extend to seven last year? What was the? I think it just it was had to, to make do. Me happy and put Janet in. It I, was <laughs> long overdue, Janet. There, there's a few reasons. No, no one knows the real reason um they had said it was just because the vote totals like the top seven were the clear uh winners and then there was a huge drop in terms of the number of votes from seven to eight so like the grouping just kind of fell that way i also think they knew radiohead wasn't going to show up so they're thinking we can have we another have slot on stage yeah i that's i kind of think that's how it went as well can i ask you a question i don't mean to veer off the track but that's fine obviously you're the people to ask about this uh-huh because um, there's always that stink about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, you know, I know right. Janet, when that mm-hmm. happened last year, people were making it. And I was like, shut up. Um, what are your thoughts on changing it to like the Music Hall of Fame as opposed to Rock and Roll? Does it bother you that it's the Rock Hall? And there no, are... I like that it's Rock and Roll. But even though they're, you know, putting pop in music. Art, uh, pop music and... and... Yeah, because I think uh, all of modern music and, and whether it's more pop or it's soul or r&b or straight ahead rock all does come from the same place which is the blues and artists foundational artists like chuck berry and james brown and sam cook and aretha franklin and i think rock and roll is uh more in era than anything else uh it is like post-war counterculture. I think when you take out the word rock and roll, if you just did music, then it's like, okay, are we going to induct Beethoven? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, why I mean? not? Or are we gonna, but then it just gets so expansive. Right. But I think there are uh, boundaries for rock and roll while they may be vague. Let's that call I think... it the post-war counterculture music hall of fame. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the boundaries do... Uh, while they are a little fuzzy, they they keep us focused a little bit. Right. I think just to make it music would lose a little bit of the spirit of the idea. Okay. That's how I feel. All right. But Thanks. hey, who am I? I'm just a guy who would love a ballot. <laughs> <laughs> you need a ballot. Just give me a ballot. How do we all get right. you a ballot? I know. Let's start a petition. Uh, all right. So let's say they get in, though. Let's say Depeche Mode gets in. There's no discussion as to which members get in. They've already announced that, but obviously it's Dave Gahan, Martin Gore, Andy Fletcher, and then they included Vince Clark. Which I love. Who was just that first album, but he was very foundational in and terms of their sound. And also, in a way, then Erasure gets in, too. I mean, you could and say cool you're inducting someone who did have success in other groups and had a contribution beyond the group. Mm-hmm. And then the guy who kind of replaced Vince Clark, Alan Wilder, has also been included. So they have not had any major lineup changes since Vince Clark left. Alan Wilder came in, and then he was there until 95, and then he left. And then it's just been the they kind just of core didn't trio. Put anybody else in. Okay. And they have touring musicians but and stuff, not, but not in like terms of who is in the band, the band. And certainly, you know, was part of the huge impact at years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's been nobody sense. else really coming in and out. No, they've been a tight, pretty tight unit. Uh, who gives the speech to induct them? Oof. I think. I mean, I know he just did the cure, but Trent well, Reznor makes a lot of sense. I know he really does. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, in that list we went through, like, I, I mean, Brandon Flowers mm-hmm. from The Killers mm-hmm. could be a good a good person to, you know, talk about that. Gwen Stefani. Gwen would be great. I thought you said Glenn Stefani just then. <laughs> Her cousin, <laughs> Gwen's yeah. cousin, they couldn't Glenn. Get Gwen. That's a very <laughs> good drag king name, though, is Glenn, Glenn Stefani. Stefani. Uh, That's I think a very she'd good be a one. great choice. I mean, Marilyn Manson's an interesting one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chris Martin, Lady Gaga. Chris Martin makes sense because he's English, and mm-hmm. that would be, you know, obviously a nice way to, you know, kind of pay homage to the people who came before you in yeah. your own and country. And he did the Peter Gabriel, he Peter Gabriel yeah. um, induction, and he did, he did a, great a job. nice job, yes. Yeah. Was his speech kind of funny? Yeah, he started He, he, he started with a reading from the book the, of Genesis. Yes, Very there cute. we go. Very cute. <laughs> I always like when they, I like, you know, it's the uh, people who you would never suspect or, or maybe most people would not know that, that they this were a fan band was a, yeah. a, a huge influence and it, i always appreciate those because that really shows yeah. how expansive music is that reminds me our friend bob merlis who's been on the show before mentioned billy gibbons as someone who really likes depeche mode who is that he, he's billy ZZ gibbons Top. is the lead singer and guitar player for zz top <laughs> yeah. oh that's right because he reps them yeah uh, he can sweep the stage with that beard as he comes out I at the same time it's beautiful like, he's wouldn't also that be wild crew. <laughs> but you know that's the goes to show you the power of it all yeah. you know the fact that billy gibbons the you know like mm-hmm. somebody you never suspect ever uh, had any uh connection to a band like depeche mode right that yeah. would be cool yeah if they could get somebody off genre to mm-hmm. do it that would be neat i just think or it's a, even it's to a get, really like if they could get thing. gaga i think people would be oh that would be so insane. into that that would be, such be, a, that so, would be a great as well yeah. be out of control right um what songs should they play they get about four songs I think they have to play Personal Jesus. Personal Jesus. I wouldn't be shocked if they played with Vince Clark and did just can't get enough. Because mm-hmm. I bet he yeah. would probably show up. Um, and then enjoy the silence. And then, hmm, maybe... Do you think they would play a newish one? They probably would. They considering could. kind of what The Cure did. The Cure didn't or, play anything new. They played but they played some more like deeper they cut type They play a deep, ones. deeper cut, yeah. Like... I think they could play some. Or oh my god, did, they'll who's do like the, the last band to very play a new song. Blasphemous bon Jovi. Did <laughs> bon, jo- bon Jovi played a song off their new yeah, album. Yeah, that's Bon of course Jovi they did. played a song off their new album. Eat shit. Well, maybe you know if they have a new album at the time. I mean, if they have stuff in the works, perhaps mm-hmm. they'll um, just give them something to cut for broadcast, almost. Or yeah. they you know? decide that they want to have some fun and they just really do play the hits. You know, the mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Maybe they pick their first. You know, the, the top four hits of theirs. Yeah. Um, well, as someone who's seen them live a lot, what is something you would like to hear them play? Oh, my God. Or something I'm like, you know, I'm going to go do a little too sad. I'm a little too sad. A little too dark. Or what about something something that they play that you know that you've seen them play a lot that really feels like the right choice? Uh, look, I love Everything Counts. And again, it'll always stay with me because of the Rose Bowl, you know, um Live let me performance. see yeah uh look if they did people are people that is really the introduction to the united states it would it would make a lot of sense and it would be appropriate i just don't know if they would want to but it would be nice if they did right? i mean that was the song that really did that was their their song that you know they brought to the u.s mm-hmm. it's very popular um i don't think they're going to be doing well, what master if they did and policy of truth <laughs> that's a song that's I, wonder, a good one. I wonder if they would do that many off of the same album 
though. Just because, you know, it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Usually they, you would try to sprinkle it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe albums. like I Feel You would be one, you know? Like. Put a gun to my head. I would probably be shot because I, how would I pick four songs? Yeah, right. How, how could we ask you to do such a thing? Uh, if they got inducted. Would you want to go to the ceremony? Yeah, why not? Hell yeah. Because it's in Cleveland. <laughs> well, if it's this year, it's Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Then the next yeah. year, it would probably be Brooklyn. And then... Oh, they switch every year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've never been to the to the Rock Hall. It's one of those things where mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like, you know, I like seeing the history of things. I just haven't had a mm-hmm. chance to go Matt out Matt said he would go. Yeah, Pinfield really wants yeah. to... Pinfield has a plaque there. Yeah. He has a po- there's like a picture of him. We yeah. can, we can like go and watch him play. polish it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he needs to take a selfie in front of it. Um, we make him take a selfie in front of it. We just watch him take a selfie. We do not take the picture. <laughs> oh, no, my God, right? Uh, well, if they get inducted this year, we'll see you at the ceremony. Yeah, we could do that. And I then we could be like, cry- I'm wearing black. Like my eyeliner's down we'll, my face. We'll all wear a oh, little yeah. mascara. I'll go I- I'll go hard in the eyeliner. If, yeah. if Depeche Mode gets in, I pro- that's a guarantee. I'm going to hold a real lighter up, not an app lighter. Wow. I'm hold a real lighter up, straight keep up. It, keep it real. Yeah. Uh, well, Kat, thank you for doing the show again. Thanks for having me back. Thanks this for- This really fun. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you want, whether it's uh, social media or your shows or whatever. You can hit me up on uh, Twitter at Kat Corbett. You can try to argue any points I've made here today. I'll just shut you down, though. Um, Yeah, good luck. In your damn face. (laughs) Uh, Because this is super nerdy, perhaps uh, someone out there is a super nerd for the film Inherent Vice. I'm doing uh, a podcast uh, called Increment Vice, my friend Travis is hosting and I'm doing the sort of liege character narrator parts of the podcast, which is wicked fun. Oh, cool. Um, for film nerds. And uh, yeah, I'm on Sirius and um, Kirok. So hell yeah. yeah. We love to see it. Well, you can uh, follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram, rockhallpod at gmail.com. If you send a message and you want Kristen to see it, you're going to have to say that somewhere in the message itself. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. If you're leaving a review because of this episode, why don't you say... Why don't you try to spell out how you pronounce Depeche Mode? Yeah. There you go. There's there's a good idea. Uh, Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuf Kim for the music. Thank you to Joy Devine for the equipment. Dave Schilling and Chad Briggs for letting us record in the home that we share with them. And thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Quazala. And I'm Kristen Stutter. And who cares about the rock hall? Boingo. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.